everyone, welcome to our new podcast, Killer Crossroads, and this is episode two. We made it. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Linda, and joining me is my co-host, partner in wine and crime, Josh. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, babe. How are you doing? Doing good. A little sleepy. Yeah. But I'm bit. here. <laughs> I'm usually here. in bed by eight. <laughs> Yeah, we're doing this one a little bit later. Kind of had some busy days today. We did. We had our regular jobs. Yep. Yes. <laughs> so, so, Josh, you want to tell us a little bit about what we should be expecting in yeah, the upcoming of episodes? Yeah. Yeah. So, as as I mentioned in our in our podcast last week um, and every week going forward, uh, me and Linda always will be covering different topics. Where we talk about true crime, conspiracy theories, or just the unexplained phenomena. We're both big true crime enthusiasts, and we're interested in the unknown. And some of these stories we wanted to share with you. So you won't hear a little meow today from Bear or Leo, our cats, but you'll probably hear a big pup Akira with the big woof. Yeah, I don't mind them. Like I said, we're both big animal lovers, and they all <laughs> they all enjoy listening to our stories. Or maybe not. Maybe uh, we might put, put our, our pup to sleep. Yeah, but I think they get I'm a little bored s- with our nonsense. <laughs> They're probably over us, watching all this conspiracy stuff, true crime, documentaries. Yeah. But they live rent-free, so they have no choice but to listen to us. Pretty much. <laughs> So tune in every Tuesday as we upload a new episode each week to your favorite podcasting platforms. Right now, we're just on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but we will be branching out to some of the other ones, such as Google Podcasts, Pandora, Audible, etc. So keep a lookout for us there, too. And we did make an Instagram page. Yes, that's right. We did. Killer Crossroads. We're working on a Facebook page and an official website. Mm -hmm. We also do have a Twitter account. So we did get brand new into that. So follow us at Twitter at at Killer Crossroads and at Instagram at at Killer Crossroads. Um, There will be uploading some kind of behind the scenes content, just kind of showing the little setup that we have. It's not much, but it's what we're doing right now. And you'll kind of see some into the, you know, the background of, uh, of our daily lives. I don't know how to tweet, Josh, so you're going to have to help me with that one because I have no idea what you do on there. Oh, sure. Yeah, I can help you with that. What do people, <laughs> what do people tweet about? Any and everything. I could let people know that I made some toast in the morning. Oh, wow. Is that is that what we're trying to do nowadays? Is that what pe- the, the young kids do? <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone's interested in knowing something. <laughs> <laughs> Glad I have you to help navigate that tweet. Twitter, whatever you call it. Of course. Well, Josh, are you um, ready for my little story today? Sure, yeah. What's on the table today? Well, today we're going to be talking about a little something gruesome. Have you ever heard of the child serial killer? Child serial killer. So this was a young girl that started having thoughts of doing some bad things to other kids. She started at the age of 10. Jeez, 10? No, I haven't heard about this one. 
I think I've heard about another case. I saw a YouTube video, but I can't put my finger on the name of... It was a boy. But we'll probably cover that at some point during okay. our um, podcasting. But, yeah, I, I was, like, a little bit shaken when I found this these articles on um, Mary Flora Bell. So she was the actual person that committed these crimes. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about her early life. So she was born in... May of 1957, her mother gave birth to her at age 17. Betty Bell married Mary's father, but that didn't guarantee a stable home. Mary's father was often out of work and occasionally in trouble with the law. Betty often left her daughter with relatives or acquaintances, once giving the child to a woman she met on the street outside an abortion clinic. The Bell home in Newcastle, England was dirty and had minimal furnishings. At school, Mary was known as a chronic liar and a disruptive student. Sometimes she voiced her desire to hurt people. Yikes. Did they say why that that was the case? Like what kind of gave her these these thoughts? I think just not having, from what I saw or what I was able to grasp is her living environment wasn't the best. And I think that's what caused her to have these kind of thoughts. So, I mean, think, think about it. If you don't have, like, a, a stable home, it, could probably take you to, it can probably take you to some dark places. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, don't, I, I don't remember having thoughts like that when I was little. I was playing with Barbies and didn't have a care in the world but to do some of my homework. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So now we're going to go ahead and uh, cover a little bit of the crimes she committed. So Mary's official urge to hurt people surfaced on May 11th of 1968 when Mary and Norma Bell, which has no relation to Mary, were playing with a three-year-old boy on top of a Newcastle air raid shelter. So now we're going to talk about the crimes that Mary committed. So Mary's urge to hurt people surfaced on May 11th of 1968 when Mary and Norma Bell, which has no relation to Mary, were playing with a three-year-old boy on top of a Newcastle air raid shelter. The boy fell and was severely injured, but the incident was written off as an accident. On May 12th, the mother of three young girls informed police that Mary had attacked and choked the children. She was interviewed and lectured by authorities, but no juvenile charges were filed. On May 25th, two boys were playing in an old abandoned house, and they found the body of four-year-old Martin Brown lying in an upstairs room. On May 25th, two boys playing in an old abandoned house found the body of four-year-old Martin Brown lying in an upstairs room. Mary and Norma Bell had followed the boys inside and had to be ordered out when police arrived. With no obvious cause of death, it was assumed that Martin Brown had swallowed pills from a discarded bottle that was found nearby. On May 26, Norma Bell's father caught Mary choking his 11-year-old daughter. He slapped her and sent her home. Later on that day, a local nursery school was vandalized. Police had discovered notes filled with profanity that were written by a child. During this time, police assumed this was an accident until they heard testimonies from other children. 
Then four days later, Mary Bell appeared at the Brown residence asking to see Martin. Reminded of the tragedy, she told his grieving mother she wanted to see his coffin. Then on May 31st, a newly installed burglar alarm at the vandalized nursery school brought patrolmen rushing back to the scene. <laughs> where they found Mary and Norma Bell loitering beside the building. That's suspicious. Yeah, that is. So the girls denied involvement in the previous break-in, and they were released to the custody of their parents. Two months went by before the disappearance of three-year-old Brian Howe in Newcastle. An immediate search was performed, and Mary Bell told Brian's sister that he might be playing on concrete blocks that had been dumped out on a nearby vacant lot. Brian, the little boy, was discovered in the vacant lot among tumbled slabs, deceased. He was a victim of manual strangulation, legs, and stomach mutilated with a razor and a pair of scissors that police recovered at the scene. Jeez, <laughs> that's uh, pretty intense. Sounds like that person that did it had a lot of hate. Oh, yeah. That's not just like your average killing. Like, there was, there was more to it than that. There's something psychologically wrong. Yeah. Especially at that age. A medical examiner suggested that the killer might have been a child since little force was used. Detectives started circulating questionnaires among the local children, asking suspects to account for their movements at the time of Brian's death. Answers from Mary and Norma Bell were inconsistent, and both girls were brought in for questioning. While Mary claimed that she had seen an older boy hurting Brian, Norma then broke down and said she watched Mary kill the boy. At trial in December 1968, Mary showed to be confident and self-possessed. Both girls admitted breaking into the school and writing the notes found there. She was acquitted of all charges, while Mary was convicted on two counts of manslaughter. Mary was described by court psychiatrists as intelligent, manipulative, and dangerous. She was often an inmate that caused conflict. In 1970, she fabricated charges of indecent assault against one of her warders, but the man was acquitted. In September 1977, she escaped from Moore Court open prison with another inmate and were captured three days later. After spending eight years in young offenders' institutes, Mary Bell was transferred to Moore Court open prison from where she escaped with two boys in 1977. They were only at large for two days. So Mary served her time and she was released with a new identity in 1980. Hmm. Not sure. I'm assuming she just completed her sentence and then was like, here, you're free. Because I didn't, they didn't really provide much detail as far as why she was granted that. Yeah. It's different, I guess, in each country. Well, yeah, well, this isn't in the U.S. I'm wondering, too, if there might have been, you know, if she committed these crimes at such a young age. You know, maybe the, I don't know, the 
the price you pay for a crime, right? Even though it was done at such a young age, right? You, they try them as children as opposed to adults. True. So I'm guessing maybe there was a different type of sentencing there. And it's just surprising to me that it's like they didn't want people to know, right? So they gave her a new identity. Like, why? I mean, she was released from prison at, like, the age of 23. So, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. She was a child when she committed those crimes. Only two people or two children that she killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just surprising that they would give her a new identity. Like, why not just release her? <laughs> that's 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 the interesting part. We'd probably have to look at the law. Yeah, maybe it's something different in the UK. But if anyone listening from the UK, <laughs> if you can provide any feedback, that'd be great. Go to our inbox. Right. <laughs> what is it? Killer Crossroads at gmail.com. Yep, that's it. So then after she was released in 1980, she lived anonymously in a seaside home, and after some time, she had a daughter. So Mary was forced to flee after several tabloid newspapers tracked her husband and camped outside their house. So it was short-lived. Then um, her daughter had no idea. I think her daughter was around 14 years old during this time frame. And she didn't know about her mother's previous convictions or her former identity until journalists exposed Mary's secret. It seems that the payment an author gave to Mary for her book compromised her new identity. So Mary's biography was about her childhood and the sexual abuse she endured. Which I guess makes sense that she committed those two murders. She murdered those two boys. So if you put everything together, just her psychological trauma. That's what caused her to kind of lash out. It is, but I mean, I think some kids grow up in rough situations and still try to manage to get some help or talk to a counselor and are able to get out of that dark place. Mm -hmm. But I still don't think that it's an excuse to kill someone and have that much anger in you. Right. Yeah, yeah, that could very well be it. Um, Well, Mary's biography was written in 1988, and it's called Cries Unheard, the Story of Mary Bell. Hmm. It'd be an interesting topic to kind of see through. Maybe get more in-depth detail to what she was experiencing. Yeah. People weren't happy, and the press wasn't happy when they discovered that she had been paid for her story. Um, I think it is upsetting because... I mean, I'm not a parent, but I think knowing that you lost your your children and that someone was able to write a book about their own life and what they went through and then get paid for it, it's, it's pretty upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. could imagine so. Well, that's the end of today's story. I appreciate everyone for tuning in on our second episode. We'll see you here next week on Tuesday with a new topic, perhaps two, two in one. Yeah, definitely. We'll be uh, diving into a couple more topics 
maybe get into some more conspiracy theories. And uh, yeah, we hope that you stick around. We hope that you enjoy what you listen to. And if you want to help support the channel, uh, please reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. Like, subscribe, show a little love. Yeah, it's much appreciated. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Yeah, thank you very much. Have a good weekend. Have a great weekend or a great week. Great week. Yep. <laughs> it's a long night. <laughs> Have a good one. Bye. Thanks. Bye.